0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. It's a beautiful Friday morning, Veterans Day. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online. The UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this beautiful Friday morning, Veterans Day, by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Great. Never better. I, um, I'm um, i nursing the death cold that comes from having children. Uh, last week, I had to quit the podcast about 10 minutes early uh, because I could no longer talk when I was uh, you can on just, with Brandon Huffman. You can just
2: let Brandon go. That's true, but he was—he's a he, master. No, 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 no. He's
1: being circumspect. Why? He's—he's. He's, I think he's like putting himself on a stopwatch and being like, "Nope, at a minute, I'm done." No, and I was, no, I was, no, I, no, 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 no. I was counting I- on him. I was counting on him to go seven minutes last week. Seven minutes every time he talked.
2: My world is shaken.
1: I know, but he—I mean, he was great. He was efficient. He was awesome. But I could have used—I could have used a little old school. I could have used a little bit of like. And here's how this is like something from 1985. Um, but he didn't give it to me.
2: Uh, I just... Uh, uh, that's one of the... Uh, I rely on Brandon.
1: I know. Me too.
2: Me too. People don't even understand kind of what we're talking about. But that's yeah. Right.
1: No. <laughs> he's an incredible...
2: Brandon's guy. great no, whether he's um, loquacious or... Uh, did you call him circumspect? Circumspect. Yeah. Yeah. He um, and he's damn he has, handsome, isn't he? he?
1: And he has an incredible brain. Yeah, we love everything about Brandon. Yeah, yeah.
2: I just, I just was on the. I can't remember. You, you know, when you're on the <coughs> database in twenty four seven, and you're what you're on a player profile. If you look away, it just keeps running videos. It's twenty four 7s way to exploit you for extra money. Do you um, know how
1: long? Do you know how long it will run videos?
2: What's that? For,
1: do you know how long it will run videos?
2: Forever,
1: twenty four seven. You know. See what I did there? You like it? Who liked it? Raise your hand in the comments Are your kids you
2: old enough it? to say, "Dad, that's such a dad joke"? Yeah.
1: Um, my my youngest, I don't know if I've shared this before, but she gets absolutely furious with me at your corny say, jokes. Well, no, she'll say, "Dad, I'm hungry." And what's what's the dad response to that?
2: Oh.
0: Hi,
1: hungry. I'm
0: Dad.
2: Oh. Nice to meet
1: you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
2: Wow. Oh yeah. This is just, just the beginning. Just the beginning, Abby. <laughs>
1: There's a little bit of sadism in every father, I think. Yeah. I think it's yeah. Wait,
2: we were talking Abby, about Brandon. But... So his video. I'm looking away, and then his his video came on. I have no reason to watch Brandon talking about some other recruit that's unrelated to UCLA. But I, bet I you was did. transfixed. Yeah. I, I couldn't look away. I lost all my train of thought for everything else. I just, I just watched, and I, 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 I had it muted. I just watched Brandon
1: magnetic personality.
2: Maybe I took this a little far, but you
1: No, did. you're great. Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: We are a UCLA sports podcast. We're a Brandon Report online. Brandon Report online. <laughs> um we we've got a lot to talk about today actually. UCLA um is 8 and 1 in college football, the sport that they're playing
2: pinch which is pinch me. Pinch myself. Yeah, that,
1: that's weird. Sometimes uh, when
2: you see it like don't you go what?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's I, I I still haven't quite wrapped my head around it, and I think the context. So I'll get to that in a second. But um, eight and one going into Arizona, we got to preview that game, and then this is the context part, which is usually by this point in the season, once you know the main event has begun, basketball, I will have like kind of uh, withdrawn a little bit from football, like not not like you know when noticeably, you, when you but I will have been like reality, yeah, everything. my 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 interest level is now diverted. Um, now I have to actually like pretty much equally divide the interest level. In fact, I'm probably still more interested in football than basketball, which is crazy. I think you got Bas- me there,
2: too. I think, yeah. Um, that's me.
1: Basketball's is top 10. Uh, they just beat Sac State on Monday um, in the home opener. And then they've got Long Beach State tonight. Um, so we're going to talk about what we saw in the opener and what we think we'll see tonight once uh, Adem Bona is, is very likely back. And then uh, we wanted to touch on some developments in UCLA basketball recruiting with signing day this week and then some kind of new stuff happening um, with Andre Stojakovic.
2: UCLA basketball tonight, USC football tonight, and you know they're going to lose against Colorado, but still interesting to watch. (laughs) All day long, I mean, interesting games because now as a UCLA fan, you're engaged in almost every game. It all matters, baby. It All matters, but see, that's the key. Before, yeah, we didn't care at all about what Ole Miss did. Now, what time's Ole Miss on? I gotta watch that game. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it, and then and, just, and then you got the UCLA game. Yeah, uh, against our boy Jed Fish.
1: Our boy Jed Fish. Here's the thing, and um, I, I like it in the context of my viewing guide thing I write every week because that devolved into like just dumb jokes yeah over the last like i, I don't know five years they but when dumb. i started it yeah. when i started it the whole point was all right we got to do like a viewing guide to assess ucla's playoff chances salient it was
2: like, salient games to ucla <laughs>
1: yeah it was salient and, and it was salient analysis of those games like oh no this is who you actually want to win this game yeah but it had to devolve into dumb jokes because ucla has been so bad for like six years
2: thank god your daughter is relieved
1: yeah good god yeah um so anyway, football, um, we'll start there. Uh, UCLA, 8-1. and one, uh, They didn't move in the CFP playoff rankings. Um, my general... So UCLA is 12, um, and they were 12 last week. They didn't move up despite um, some teams losing ahead of them. My general feeling on it, looking at the rankings as a whole with Oregon at 6, USC at 8, and UCLA at 12, they don't matter, but... They'll figure themselves out over the next few weeks. Um, I think UCLA, if they win out, will more than likely be in the playoff. Um, Now, you know, that's going to require beating Arizona, beating USC, beating Cal, and more than likely beating Oregon again, um, which is a tall task.
2: Oregon has a tough road, though.
1: Oregon has a very tough road. Wow, They have to play Utah at home. They have to play Washington this weekend.
2: Who, which is now looking like a not, not an easy... When UCLA beat them, you're all, okay, came back down to earth. They're not really that good, but yeah, they are.
1: They're 7-2. and two. Yeah. Uh, I would say they've got a deeply flawed defense, and I wouldn't expect Oregon to lose that game, but it's possible. And then you have Oregon State on the road, which I think is sneakily uh, Oregon's toughest remaining game. I th-
2: no, I, I don't even think it's sneakily. I, I'd yeah. say that's the, the toughest game. I'm a big well, Oregon State fan. Uh, Oregon
1: state uh, is the most solid team in the league this year. Um, they have a solid defense and they have a solid offense. Uh, nobody else really can claim both of those things.
2: Yep. If they had a quarterback.
1: Yeah. So UCLA, um, is in an interesting position. Um, and USC is in a similar position where, yeah, if, if they win out, I think they both should be reasonably confident that they've got a good chance to make the playoff. Um, which is a weird, very weird thing to be saying that has given me, like, kind of hives a little bit. Um, but for UCLA, uh, it starts this weekend with holding serve um, and beating the P out of Arizona, which it's not quite like ASU, Stanford, and Colorado, where, oh, this is just a, you know, a moribund team. Um, UCLA shouldn't lose under any normal circumstances, particularly at home. Arizona has an offense, they have the worst defense in the Pac twelve. Don't get me wrong, and I understand what I am saying there, having seen you know what Colorado and Stanford and ASU are running out there. Arizona's is the worst, um, but their offense it's legitimately pretty good. Um, it's top twenty ish, I would say nationally if you average out all these different categories. Um, they can throw the ball, they can run the ball pretty well. Um, they've got a lot of weapons that you didn't that they didn't have last year. They did a ton of work in the transfer portal and a ton of work in high school recruiting. And the end result is their receiving core is probably it's not quite USCs when USCs is healthy, but it's probably the next step down from that. Um and Jaden Delora, he's he's Mercurial. I think that's a good way to describe him. But uh when he's on, he's a he's a significant playmaker. Um it's it's not gonna be an easy task for the UCLA defense.
2: Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a similar game to ASU. Uh, probably a little bit uh, UCLA, um, being able to even <laughs> uh, move the ball easier. So just compound that how many yards were they? Five fifty at four. No, more than that. Four, 404 yards rushing. I mean, yeah, that's going to get worse. Um, what I'm looking for in this game is UCLA's defense being able to get not just one or two, but a good number. I know what a good. I don't know what that number is of stops. I, 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 watching the ASU game, it was really. I, I mean, it, it was a win. It was good. Let's just say that. But you have to admit, UCLA fans, it, it was a little frustrating to watch ASU come back and the UCLA defense really kind of unable to stop it. I don't, I'm I'm not looking for the UCLA defense to hold Arizona to 10 points, but I would like to see a similar game to ASU, but UCLA's defense does enough to not let Arizona in the game. And I don't even know how many points that is.
1: Yeah, I think so. I predicted, um, I think I, th- I can't remember what I 50, ended up with. Twenty eight, F- Twenty-eight? Twenty-seven. Fifty-two to twenty-seven. That's kind of, I think, what we're both talking about. Which I'm is, saying
2: once it gets up three touchdowns... Keep it at three touchdowns. Keep it at three touchdowns. And play yeah. your defense seriously. Don't put in the second, third, and fourth, fourth stringers. Uh, I think that was a couple of drives into the third quarter. Um, yeah. Which changed the whole momentum. Of the game for and I think both you the, and I said that independently, by the way, without conferring. Yes.
1: And it, it it was really cause Darius Moussao in that second quarter was really good. Uh he he was he was well, he was also getting downhill a lot, and I think that's where he's best, is when he can just drive at the quarterback, drive at ball carriers in the backfield. That you know, it's less that lateral movement that nobody enjoys. Um but uh they took him out and like that was the key one. Um, they took him out and put in Carson Swessinger and it wasn't like Swessinger was like noticeably bad or missing a ton of tackles. He was just playing on his heels. Um, and they, I think they not only did the personnel shift, but it seemed like they went, okay, we can call off the dogs a little bit too.
2: Um,
1: and the end result was, um, basically giving ASU a ton of confidence on that first drive. They moved the ball pretty easily. It was eight plays, seventy-five yards. And then they were they had the rhythm. They they knew what they needed to do from then, then on. Um what we want to see is essentially what was in that first half, which is, yeah, UCLA allowed some yardage and some points, but they also went through a series of, you know, two or three stop drives in a row. Um and this defense isn't gonna be some lockdown, shutdown team, but Hold Arizona to, like, 17 points in the first half and 14 in the second half, and you've probably got something good going. Well, well,
2: um, well here's the other thing, too. If, if you're going to call off the dogs defensively, don't call off the dogs offensively. I, I mean, the, the offense was still good in the second half, but Dorian Thompson and Robinson threw the ball twice. I, I mean, it, it was clearly, let's just let's run the ball for the entire second. I mean... If you're going to allow your defense to be vulnerable, you better keep that offense really hitting on all cylinders and putting up points. Um, doing... Yeah,
1: I, I don't have as much of an objection to the offense because they still did score uh, four points per drive. Um, the, the issue really was this. They were trying to run the ball and eat up some clock, but ASU's run defense is so bad that they couldn't even do that. I mean, during the middle of this, like the middle of the beginning of this, so right after that first TD where they'd brought in uh, Schlesinger, Kaz Allen then takes the ball and runs 75 yards on a single play.
2: Kaz, you need to just fall over.
1: Yeah, come on, dude. Yeah, be a team player. Uh, <laughs> fall down at the 20. Um, but th- the thing is, the defense just got worked going down the field, and then the offense has the ball for 12 seconds, and then it's the defense's turn again. Um And then there was the unfortunate thing was that they went back to back um, with the fumble and then the one three and out in the second half um, where it looks like, oh, crap, here we go again. Um, But I I actually didn't have much problem with the offense. It's just they didn't hold the ball long enough because they were scoring too quickly. Yeah. Even on their longer touchdown drives, it was three
2: minutes. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing, too. Um, This is a little semi aside. When it comes to offense, I know people love passing attacks, but I I just love running games. I think the most exciting play from scrimmage is like a 75-yard run. I think that's just amazingly exciting. What do you prefer to watch? A Zach Charbonnet run where he's just running over people, breaking tackles, or a Casimir just explosion out of a cannon?
1: Uh, The Charbonnet ones are more fun for me.
2: Are they? I don't know. They really are. I, I, uh, the Casimir Allen, though, when there's a whole. When he's and already he just hobbled, explodes when, through it. Is, he's
1: already hobbled, too. You could yeah. see him. Yeah, yeah. He was not quite as fast as he usually is because yeah. he had already like hurt his lower leg um, and still just running past everyone, looking like he's almost at a jog. It's so weird watching him.
2: Uh, uh, so, Zach Sharp, when he does it, you're going, oh, oh, oh. But when like a, a really fast running back like Casimir Allen just gets shot out of a cannon through a hole. You go, that's just breathtaking to me. Yeah. I, fun, I just, I, yeah, look,
1: I'll, I'll take them both.
2: It's yeah. fun. I know, but it's fun to think about isn't it. That's yeah. what we do.
1: So I would say for the Arizona game, um, look, if I think it would be a major concern if Arizona gets more than like three stops in this game. Um, UCLA should be able to just move the ball whenever they have it um unless Arizona is really successful running the ball and keeping the ball away from UCLA meaning they're putting together like five or six minute drives UCLA should get it I don't know 11 times and they should score like four and a half points per drive what, um, what do you
2: think of Arizona's uh defensive scheme
1: Horrible. Uh, it's absolutely god-awful. They run a pretty passive 4-2-5. Um,
2: so Johnny Nansen, that hire?
1: It's a really bad hire. They've downgraded coaching um, and development-wise on that side of the ball, and I understand why Fish did it. He wanted to get a talent in the program, and yeah. Nansen certainly helped recruiting, but um, he's got a decision to make this offseason because they had Don Brown, who with a much less talented defense— was doing more last year, yeah. And with Nansen, um, they have more talent and less acumen, and the result is just not pretty. Their linebacker play is atrocious. Their entire front seven is really, really bad. They have actually some talent in the secondary, but it is not showing up because I mean they're they're just getting steamrolled. Um, and even when they stack the box, uh, teams are able to get what they want on the ground. It's an um, interesting
2: subject when you think because of course we've discussed it ad nauseum on bro Um, it's like the chicken or the egg kind of thing Uh, recruiting or scheme recruiting or coaching Um, and if you're a coach a head coach what do you hire for do you hire uh, I mean like you said Arizona is at a deficit when it comes to talent so let's get some recruiters on the staff Uh but you still need some coaching you still need some scheme and where is the balance? And it, it's if you someone needs to do an article, I don't interviewing, so the thing is. interviewing coaches anonymously and say what would you emphasize and don't tell us balance. Which one would you emphasize in, in hiring assistants, coaches? I mean coaching or scheme when I hiring coach? Co- yeah, coaching or recruiting.
1: The only the only um, assistant positions where I would prioritize coaching are um, really offensive and defensive coordinator and then probably offensive line. Um, every other assistant job, I think, has to be recruiting over coaching. Um, but the problem here is Nansen's their defensive coordinator, and Jed Fish is not a defensive guy. He's, a, he's an offensive guy. And so if you have your – you're not giving your defensive coordinator any cover, um, and you've gone the recruiting route with him. See, what, what Oregon's doing with Tosh Lepoy, I don't think he's a good defensive coordinator, but they have Dan Lanning, who's a defensive guy, as their head coach. So he can provide some cover there. Uh, Fish isn't going to provide any cover to Johnny Nansen. Uh, he's, it's kind of sink or swim for him. Um, and I think that's what they're dealing with. and That's, that's why the they one have, thing
2: that, uh, that we don't get in reporting. If we're talking about inside information, some, like between Lanning and LaPoi, uh, Who's calling the plays on defense? Yeah. It looks like it's the poi if you watch the sideline because right. Lanning just isn't involved in the headset. He he looks like he's doing head coaching things rather than like when you watch Chip Kelly, he's calling plays. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, he's he's deeply involved in it. Um so that's it's really interesting to know like uh, without Bill McGovern, you know, they said, "Well, it's a collective thing." It it's it can't be. You can't have, you can't have four uh, defensive coaches all together on a headset going. What do you think we should call now? I mean, <laughs> you don't have time. It's one guy making the calls, bringing up another interesting subject matter. Clancy Pendergast was an analyst, um, and has been called into service, going into the booth and essentially functioning as the defensive coordinator with Bill McGovern having been ill. Is yeah, uh, I I've seen some nuance difference in in the defense. It's not as Ben and Brank. He he's taking a little. Bit, he's trying to get a tackle for loss. A little taking a little bit more risk. Um, a little bit more. Uh, I'd say blitzing. Not much, but a little more. Yeah. And then you think about uh, is this the right scenario where your analyst is really essentially functioning as your defensive coordinator? because there are some advantages to it. One thing, he's not involved with the players at all. All he's doing is scheming. That that would be his entire job. Pendergast at practice cannot directly coach, cannot be involved in a drill and he's not. He's standing on the sideline, but he is he is intensely studying his personnel and the defense. Yeah. And that's that's his this is his one job is scheme Game plan, play calling. He doesn't have to, he can't recruit. He can't even interact with the players. I don't know that there's a lot of, there's disadvantages too. I mean, being able to coach, obviously as a defensive coordinator, directly players, advantage a bit, I get it. Recruiting, probably there's some advantage where you can interact with the recruits and tell them about your your scheme, but there's some upside there. They might have fallen into something that's kind of kind of a good theory to it. Don't you think?
1: Uh it's certainly possible. I mean, I think there's like um the reality of hierarchies and structures that um anybody who's in that role is going to want to get paid a lot more if they're in charge of scheming the defense and credit or blame for how it goes. Um there's the recruiting part of it where if, you know, the guy who's running the defense. Uh, do you want him to be able to close on, you know, recruits and that sort of crap? But yeah, I mean, there's some. If there was a way to like recontextualize all of that stuff and just say, well, this is just a job is to come up with the game plan, and it's you know, it's not actually having to do anything with the players on the field. So we're only going to pay you two hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever it is. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 it would be worth kicking it around. It's just it's hard, I think, to um, reinvent the wheel with a lot of that stuff. It would give um, you
2: one more coach uh, who would spend a lot more time recruiting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I that it's it's intriguing. It's an intriguing idea. Yeah. Um, and it's it's certainly uh, you know Clancy's work so far it seems to have helped. Um, and if you divide
2: it up, if you look at salary wise, like you said. I mean, you'd still have to pay the analyst a lot because he's the coordinator, but not as much as if he were also a position coach. True. Very true. So you might save some money there, too. I don't know. It, I, I, off season something to think about.
1: Something to consider. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we are going to get into some hot basketball talk. So hot, back in a minute. Hot, hot.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
1: All right, we have to discuss the start of UCLA's basketball season uh, on Monday. The Bruins beat Sac State in the home opener, uh, 76-50, to um, and uh, they did it without a Dembona, so we should probably uh, address that on the top. So no Dembona on Monday due to what was described uh, as a... Um, In accordance with the NCAA, which is such a very interesting phrase, uh, but he is expected back tonight against Long Beach State. Um, So, interesting development.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he wasn't eligible. It's that simple.
1: Um, In accordance with the NCAA, Tracy.
2: Yeah, they didn't want to use the word eligible, but I'll use the word eligible because there's no other word to use, really. Um, In
1: accordance with the NCAA?
2: Yeah, well, that's... (laughs) I'll say he, obviously, he clearly was not eligible by NCAA standards. Have they
1: reached an accord with the
2: NCAA? To my knowledge, yes. I'm just having a good time. And I can say this, too. uh, The issue that they found that made him ineligible (coughs) is, that was a sneeze, right?
1: No, that was a cough.
2: Oh, wow. That could have been either one.
1: No, my sneezes are basically coughs.
2: Oh, Oh, they are. So you're, yeah. but you said that was a cough.
1: It was a cough. Okay, it didn't come
2: through my nose. Um, uh, given what's going on out there in college basketball and recruiting and eligibility and in college sports, it's so. I mean, I you even have to laugh that they find something.
1: Oh, I didn't. Was that an order? <laughs>
2: in a dem bonus, uh. NCA qualifying documents of eligibility that <laughs> would make him ineligible for one game. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, la- it's laughable. It's just, it's like, I don't even, uh, what's the last it's like, season of it's that like, movie when uh, there's a, a meteor that hits that hits in the ocean and Tia Leone is out on deep, the beach. Deep impact, Tracy. That's such a great scene. That's, that's a chilling scene. And yep. um, that's like, that's like you're trying to be Tia Leone right there. And you say, you know, let's, and, and there's a wave that's, yeah, going to wipe no, out no, I Manhattan. I think it's more like, this is what I think it is, Tracy.
1: Okay. It's like um, I need a back, in, back in ancient times oh, um, when people before a meal would have to pour like a little bit of their drink on the ground as a libation to the gods. That's what that's what this was. Mm. O- okay, okay. All right, all right. We'll give you a game. Great NCAA gods. Please don't punish us.
2: Well, it, no. What I'm saying is the wave is everything else that's happening. And like it would be Tia Leone putting up a cardboard box over her head and you know uh, I keep saying T Leone. she was a great actress I really like T Leone. yeah um just Here's ridiculous given what's going on out there that the that this is might be the only thing everything else is so unwieldy they don't have any control and they have they can't do anything about everything else so this is one thing they can do so they look like they're an effective organization I guess uh, wow yeah
1: yeah yeah it's uh but anyway look let's let's not, okay, let's, the, yeah, uh, let's, not. let's not belabor the negative he's uh, back yeah. he's back he'll be fine everything's okay it was Sac State they still won by 26 and my um,
2: my take from that game was um. so like last year when you saw the basketball team blow out some teams they were already playing at a pretty high level right? You had all those veterans returning, but you knew there was a ceiling on how they were playing at close to optimum level, but you knew there was a ceiling with Cody Riley. You knew there was a ceiling with Johnny Juzang, Jules Bernard, even if they played really well, there were still, they were playing, they were them, right? This team this year blew out. I mean, Sac State wasn't horrible. (laughs) Um, They were well coached too. Um, By 25 points, UCLA won that game. But you still felt there's so much more that's going to happen and develop. Uh, Yeah. uh, Just not as a team, but player by player. Yeah, You know, Amari Bailey, I had some people texting me saying, Amari Bailey is a multi-year guy at UCLA. He's not even that athletic. Oh, gosh, guys. I've watched him play so many games where his athleticism he has he has excellent athleticism and it was on display you just y'all haven't seen it yet you saw it a little bit in defense he can move his feet really well um so just wait you'll see you'll see a lot more and then my other takeaway really was mac Edienne for not playing for a year and a half being extremely rusty still probably thinking about his knee um going out there and and flashing some real potential
1: Yeah. I think those are two good takeaways. And I think the Bailey one, um, I would just underscore it. Like he's, he's doing stuff that he, he hasn't developed any comfort level doing right now, which is playing off the ball, trying to find a role as like a semi scorer. Um, when he's more of an on the ball distributor type, like in his ideal form, um, and you know it's 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 going to be a work in progress for a little while here. But he um, kind of
2: isn't, Dave. I mean, he played scorer in high school too, very much, and in a U ball when he used. Yeah, to Yeah, I played. just mean
1: at the college level, based on what we were hearing from pre-practice reports, he was you know he's much more of a distributor, you know that sort of guy. Um, but the uh the thing I would like to see from him um is embracing um kind of doing the the defensive stuff. Like I think he's got the move, like the. Lateral ability to be a good defender, um, but um, rebounding. Uh, I think when we're talking about UCLA's defensive rebounding deficit against um, Sac State, a lot of it was uh, Nwuba um, not being a particularly good uh, rebounder. Um, but some of it's the, not, not that Bailey was being awful or whatever, but the drop-off from Jules Bernard... Very good defensive rebounder uh, for his position, and Johnny Juzang, who became a above average defensive rebounder, to Amari Bailey getting one in this game. Um, And I think that's going to be a key going forward is him, you know, committing to boxing out, committing to that sort of uh, thing on the defensive end. And it's Sac State. I mean, it's one game, it's one data point. It's not that big of a deal. Um, But I think that would be nice to see um, from Bailey commitment on that end. And I think there will be because. He already seems energetic on the defensive end in a way you don't always see from freshmen, uh, particularly highly touted ones. Um, so, yeah, I've been pretty, you know, he's checking boxes, I think. Yeah. Um, It's just, you know, the shooting, and that'll come.
2: Yeah, and the defensive upside for the team in general. There's so much potential there when some of these freshmen and young guys start to really, I mean, they've been getting the theory from cronin in practice but now they get to really apply it in a game and they and that's when learning and habits form so
1: okay we've made it five minutes in to the basketball talk and we haven't mentioned uh jalen clark
2: oh (laughs) so
1: can i read to you his stat line uh because this is fun to look at because it's the ucla box score uh the the stat broadcast um box score that we can look at He has a stat in every single category on this list. 17 points, 7 for 7 in field goals, 1 for 1 in 3 points, 2 for 2 free throw line, 3 offensive rebounds, 5 defensive rebounds, 8 total rebounds, 4 assists, 3 personal fouls, 5 turnovers, 1 block, and 7 steals in 28 minutes. Nobody else does that. Nobody else has stats in every category. Nobody else on this team had stats in every category. That's Jalen Clark. That was a freak show performance. What he was doing, stealing the ball, was like, um, it was unlike anything I have seen in a UCLA uniform. Jordan Adams had some games where he was really, like, focused on picking teams off. Darren Collison had some games where he did those, like, kind of glue-like frog hands and just, you know, stuck them in there and took the ball. But nothing like what Jalen Clark was doing. He was doing power steals, where it was like, (laughs) "Oh, that guy's doing a that guy's doing a spin move." I'm gonna run, take the ball from him. Never have I've
2: never seen that Uh, uh, that that one steal. I mean, we've seen people come on the backside, like if someone's uh, got the ball in the post and they're not seeing it, so they come, you know, uh, on the backside and steal. (laughs) That was the post player who had caught the ball at the at the high post. Yeah, And and you had to make an instinctual decision because his player that Jalen Clark was defending was kind of running by. He was making a cut and there was no one else there to really warn (laughs) the post player. All of this happened in his mind in a split second. And he went around his backside. And, you know, when it comes to Darren Collison or Jordan Adams, they had quick hands. They had very quick hands. They'd be in their stance and they get a hand up and make a deflection. Jalen Clark moves. He like makes a decision like this is an opportunity. If I get in, if I move those three feet over there, that's where the ball's going to go. It's, yes. it's really, really uncanny watching him. And we just have to admit Bruno report online was on him very early <laughs> talking about how incredible he was. Rune report online
1: had it first. His right. anticipation um and his instincts for finding the basketball no matter where it is. Uh it's it's again otherworldly. Um and then I will also say I think he I mean he looks it's a hard thing to say because how much of it is like his instincts improving, his anticipation improving. He looks quicker too. Like his his quickness to the ball. There was a there were a couple of plays where it was like they had the ball at half court, and uh, he decides he's going to drive up for the steal. And it's like he's a blur getting up there. Um, it's just, uh, anyway, it's a lot of the fun. The other he's thing a-
2: about him, too, is anyone who would have that stat line or just seven seals, you would you would picture like a really steely, intense guy, right? Yeah. Jalen looks like he's out at Venice playing a pickup game. I mean, yeah. his whole demeanor, his face is all, eh, it's kind of fun it's yeah. like he's not even taking it seriously. He's, he's not, it, it seems like he's not even thinking.
1: Well, and he's got that little like chop stepped running style. Yeah. Too, yeah
2: that too. It
1: just looks like he's out there like, oh, yeah, I am just having a good time, you know, <laughs> whatever. Not good. Like he's not like running hard. It's not like he's track. Not. And, but like that little chop step running style, he eats up a lot of floor really quickly. Um, <laughs> he and makes it, you he's...
2: laugh. There's just, just watching him. You just, every time you got a steal, you just, you, you broke out with a smile and laughed. you go, because you don't see it coming from him. It's not no. like he's in this intense defensive stance.
1: It's And he's uh he's also the best quote on the team this year. Yeah. Uh, his interview this week was great. Um mm. talking about it all. Um
2: yeah, he's he's a freak show. Let's not um, pump him up too much. He needs. Let's to come not back pump for him up too much, year. but um, he needs if, to it, come back for a senior year. Yeah, NBA scouts, can. there are so many flaws in Jalen Clark's game.
1: Yeah, just, I mean, think about those five turnovers. Just season. focus on those five turnovers, baby.
2: Yeah. Wow, that was. He's not ready for. Yeah,
1: he's not ready to even. I mean, he might have to get his minutes cut. Yeah. Um, so that was the situation there, um, but I agree with you on Mac Etienne. I was I was really pleased with um, his ability to make an impact, even though he's clearly, clearly got a lot of conditioning work to do, a lot of, like, um, physical stuff to, like, get fully right for the season. Um, but also, like, a guy being willing to just jump out there when he's, you know— I don't think they were putting him out there and he was going to get hurt or anything, but not totally ready, not ready to put his best put foot forward and he was still you know, willing to do it because that's what the team needed. You got to well, like
2: that. Another thing I would have liked to have listened to, um, been privy to, is when they found out that Adem Boma, uh, Bona couldn't play in that game. Uh, from what I know is Mac Eddian has been pretty good physically for a while. The UCLA um, medical staff has been holding him out uh, pretty conservatively, I'd say, uh, you know, it, it's a it's kind of a it, eh, it's a it's a call. It's an opinion on when at this point, when he would be ready to play. Um, and it could ha- it could have happened any day, really. I would have liked to have seen and watched just uh, how what Mick Cronin said, maybe to try to get Mac Eddie in. Uh, a hundred percent green lit to play against Sac State.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know if there were any other major takeaways. Um, I think the uh, the um. The Tiger Campbell offense uh, scoring first is going to be a work in progress. Um, You know, how he balances that with distribution roles and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I I think what I like that I've seen is his and David Singleton's comfort level with trying to score a little bit more at volume. uh, It seems like they're okay with it. Like they seem to be like not pressing too much, but it's going to be a work in progress.
2: Wait, let's just talk about David Singleton, too. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Damn. Uh, I mean, he's always been a great shooter. I, I think it's... Uh, you try to bring it up with Mick, and you're, you're and talking about quicker me, release. And he told me
1: to go to hell. He told me, go <laughs> go after His glare
2: at you was basically... He was very nice, but he basically said, nah, are you're, you're a dumbass, and I hate you. <laughs> you internet slappy. Um, yeah. Which is a nice way... The way he did it. Um, but there is there is difference. It's not... it. it Quicker release, whatever. The ball's getting out quicker by far. He's catching it, whether that is his footwork, like Coach Cronin kind of said is how people improve their outside shooting. His catch and shoot process was lightning quick. yeah. And that was, I mean, there was no doubt when that ball went up. And then secondly, we've always been critical that all he is is – you know, one shot Dave uh, on three pointers, but
1: to two mid-range jumpers. Wow. Baby.
2: And those were really slick and quick, too, like he'd been doing them his whole life.
1: Yeah. And yeah. the only miss was a layup that he probably should have made it was contested.
2: <laughs> well, it's got to be all three levels. And of course, he's got yeah the... that,
1: that third level. So it's been a challenge <laughs> or the first uh-huh. level. Is that yeah. first or third? I Who knows? Think. Yeah, it's a level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was great. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think, you know, Tigers, uh, it's just going to be managing like, okay, when am I, when am I picking my spots? Um, I thought Jaime was fine. Um, I don't think he was, uh, um, I think the second half, he really was just floating and coasting and that's fine. Uh, they didn't really need him for more than that. If he wants to be national player of the year though, um, he's, he's going to have to try to like you know, do it for the entire game um and put up, like, 20 a night, especially in these kinds of games against Sac State. Yes. Because he could have easily done that, and he just, you know, and that's being a team player. It's not having that, like, oh, I need to score. I need to get mine and that whole thing, and that's good. But if he wants to do the things that we've kind of talked about him doing, like getting a National Player of the Year or First Team All-American, um Gotta you you gotta go ahead and get yours. I mean, it would have been get eighteen this game, and uh, it's a little bit of a different story. He but
2: poster 14. boys for coming back for your extra year, absolutely. My gosh, I mean the diff. Uh, Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins, uh, just first off the amount of attention they're getting nationally as potentially both first team All Americans. Um, Tiger Campbell being hailed as literally the best point guard in the United States. Jaime has his potential player of the year nationally. Uh, and I I know everything's about the NBA, but this helps your NBA stock. And Absolutely. just not the hype, but how good Jaime's going to look this season compared to the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, they're going – he's an undersized combo forward. The NBA's all, wow, we, we really don't see – we don't project him in the NBA. After he gets it done on so many levels this year – He's going to be one of those guys, I think, that the NBA scouts are going to go, you know what? Despite all the things that that don't make him an NBA, he just gets it done. He, he's one of those guys that defies all of that.
1: Absolutely. Because
2: of this season. And um,
1: just to wrap up a little bit of basketball talk, tonight's game against Long Beach State, that's going to be a real game, guys.
2: Yeah. Long Beach State is good. And they, they have the thing that usually doesn't have, which is a lot of experienced guys. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, uh, Sac State, well coached, not a cupcake, I don't think. Uh, Long Beach State, very much not a cupcake. And they have some guys who, you know, they can really and play. And
2: then Norfolk State, not a cupcake. NCAA tournament team. Yeah. Yeah. So UCLA
1: didn't quite, and I think it actually will work out well for them because then it'll prepare them for Vegas a little bit better. But, oh, yes. um, uh, they did not load up on a bunch of really easy
2: teams in this. In this, I like myself some cupcakes at the beginning of. The yeah, I like a little bit of uh, yeah, it.
1: like a little bit of like uh, I don't know Fullerton when they're bad. Yeah. UC Riverside, come on guys. Yeah, um, but uh, you yeah, know, Mick Cronin gave him some challenges, so yeah. it'll be fun to see um, basketball recruiting, uh, basketball recruiting. Uh, UCLA signed uh, the Williams brothers. Williams uh, they're not mind. actually brothers. Uh, Williams and Williams, the law firm. Uh, Devin Williams and Brandon Williams on Wednesday, that was. Um, so that's obviously a, a, a good thing, positive thing. Uh, they lost the commitment. Well, I won't say they lost the commitment. They didn't win the commitment of Andre Stojakovic, uh, who went to Stanford um, after... Um, You know, the report for the longest time was that UCLA is leading for him. UCLA is leading for him. Um, But when a guy is in California and it's UCLA is leading for him after his official visit, but then it's like six months later and he doesn't commit, uh, who knows? Could be other reasons. Yeah. Um, And he ended up at Stanford. You know, somebody who's going to pick Stanford at this point, this is no aspersion on Stojakovic, but might not have been a fit.
2: No, I mean that's what we're saying. Uh, in, pick Texas. Well, pick Texas, Cronin. And I'll say UCLA. Lost. UCLA. It's a it's a self screening process, and I mean it is for in with a lot of programs, but especially with Cronin because it's not for everyone. You you have to know you are going to be in a four year tough environment that's going to make you a lot better. I mean. Mick Cronin is not easy on his players but he gets them better. Um witness what you witnessed in the first 10 minutes of practice. What were some of those what were the you to that those were funny.
1: Oh my god, the the one at Mac when he was um trying to play defense and Mick yells at him across the court. Mac, what are you doing? Are you are you are you playing defense on your on your imaginary friend from fifth grade?
2: <laughs> you know what? It wasn't just the imaginary friend, but it was the fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. <me. laughs> yeah. Well, Coach, as if he still had <laughs>
1: an he still had an imaginary friend in fifth grade. <laughs> like it's just it was uh, yeah. I would I would uh, watching that whole thing would have been fun. <laughs> um,
2: but he seems like he, he seems like he
1: was raring to go in that one. Yeah, uh, that was some good
2: self screening though. If if I I. Complete, um, of the opinion that if you choose not to come to UCLA, you would not be a good fit for Mick Cronin. You are saying, "Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go through that. I'm not going to do it." Andre Soyakovich, I mean, there is a lot of reasons to think Stanford was a much better fit for him. Uh, big fish, smaller pond, um, close closer to home just uh, wants I mean he knows he's going to be starting and getting 25 minutes a game at Stanford as a freshman he doesn't know that at UCLA even with the almost you know what half the team leaving and a wide open path to starting and playing time he's he's thinking well they could go to the transfer portal they could do this UCLA is going to have you know more, It's going to be more competitive for, for minutes there. That's a huge, huge factor in, in this. And like I said on the forum, the Peyton Watson effect has had a big impact on this recruiting cycle. There are other programs and and just not the programs, and I made this point, there are a lot of handlers of all of these players out there who have a vested interest in where these guys go and they're sometimes trying to convince them to go to UCLA and other times they're trying to convince them to go elsewhere just because of their agenda. When they have agenda against UCLA in this, in this cycle, they definitely use the Peyton Watson thing. He was a first round pick and he only played 12 minutes. Do you want that to happen? They did that. That's going to, I think going to last one cycle. Because it's Adem Bona and Amari Bailey are both playing probably 25 minutes a game, only to be limited by Adem Bona's fouls. Um, so they will not be able to use that n- next year. So good on you. You had it for one cycle. Um, when you're recruiting at UCLA, you're going to get people doing these kind of things. And they're using they're using the paint Watson effect. And they're using, hey, Mick Cronin's really tough on... <laughs> He can be tough on... And if they make the choice not to go, I think the kid would only struggle. If that's his thing, he would only struggle being coached by Mick Cronin. On the other hand, you got a guy like Devin Williams who is picking between UCLA and USC. And that's two contrasts in coaching styles. I personally uh, didn't know Devin Williams and I hadn't heard from people who knew him that well. I was thinking from... Uh, through the summer that he was going to pick USC. Then I started to hear that, especially when he went on his official visit, that he really appreciated the tough love, the the tough coaching that Mick Cronin gives, also because it was reminiscent of his high school coach. And that's what he's familiar with. And he has witnessed firsthand how that has made him better. Wow. Very impressive. Mature. Mature. And his family, too, had a hand in it. Like, I heard his mom said... Oh, that's where you need to go. You need to get better. So, uh, you know, it it's a huge factor in in basketball recruiting. And that leads us to one guy. His name's Sebastian Mack, 6'3 guard uh, out of uh, Coronado High School in the Vegas area. Um, I've liked him. I've been watching him for just about two years, a little over a year and a half probably. Always have liked him. I've always not been certain if he was a UCLA level recruit, but I thought it was someone that UCLA should absolutely be on. And they have kept a hand in him for a year and a half. Uh, Not really a combo guard, more of a shooting guard. That's his issue. Um, 6'2 to 6'3, he's a shooting guard, a little on the small side. Right now, he physically dominates people driving the ball. You know, the question is, will he be able to do that against bigger guards in college? He did a lot of things. He's a good athlete not like a, a shockingly good athlete so he did a lot of things well he didn't do one thing really really well until the border league in october where he just lit it up from the outside he's always been a decent shooter but now it was like lights out shooter that got ucla saying okay he does all of this stuff well uh, in addition in addition uh, great defender really actually played defense in a U ball. He was kind of a freak doing it. He almost did it too much. (laughs) Um, Tough kid, tough minded kid. Uh, You can see him. He's got a, he's got that dog in him. You know, he just, he's just going to keep playing, keep playing hard regardless of the situation in a U ball. So he's a good fit for Cronin. That's, that's the connection here. This is a good fit for Cronin. Um, he's taking his official visit today, starting his official visit, so he'll be there in attendance for the Long Beach State game. Uh, it was Florida State and Oklahoma who were leading for him, pushing for a signed national letter of intent on Wednesday, the first day of the signing period. It's a very good sign. He did not sign, and he's waiting for his official visit this week weekend. UCLA will offer him and then it's all a matter of whether this kid wants to stay west play for UCLA or go for the two and here's the thing Florida State and Oklahoma haven't been recruiting him that long since summer that's when they got in on him so it's not like they've actually been on him for 2 years so this will this will be interesting i'm a you and i have talked about this a lot 3 to 4 year guys over one and done
1: bill and his ranking is perfect for me
2: yeah Build the program. It's right where, I mean, coincidentally, just about right where Jalen Clark
1: <laughs> yeah, was ranked. That's what I'm saying.
2: He is and he is very much kinda an Aaron Holiday kind kind of guy. Uh not really a point guard. Um uh and UCLA back then, Steve Alford wasn't sure they were gonna offer Aaron Holiday. Who where is he playing right now? Uh in the National Basketball yeah, that Association. Place. Um Three to four year guy, build your programs on him. Everyone's bemoaning UCLA's recruiting class. If they get Sebastian Mack, they'll have three four star guys in, as of right now, about the number 12 recruiting class in the country without a five star guy, without a one and done. This is the kind of foundational class that you need. And that if he were going to, if he needs, if I'm talking McCronin, seven guys in this class, he's not going to get seven, one and done. So he's not going to get five or four. He needs at least four foundational guys that are multi-year guys. So this would yeah, be dude. A, a really good foundation for that.
1: You, you look at it and uh, it's shaping up to be like exactly the kind of class I would have wanted. Yeah. Um, it's Devin Williams, 61 nationally, Brandon Williams, 86 nationally. And, and that's Sebastian underrated
2: Mack. in my opinion. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. But Sebastian Mack then top hundred nationally. Um, 64. none of those guys. I think yeah, no, that, yeah, well, in in the two four. Seven, uh, don't no, go uh, by that. I'm looking don't at, at the
2: composite. The composite. Those the other place. Yeah, never but even to, saw Sebastian McPlay. I but bet. But good God, Tracy. Then I have to click in. <laughs> then I have to click. Yeah, in. it's worth clicking in. Come on. All right, that, that's so the one Dev, thing. Devin Dev Williams is
1: 67 nationally. Then there we and, go. Uh, Brandon Williams is 73. Yeah. Um. So my point though is none of those guys are leaving early. All of them have uh upside. None of them are perfect players. They could leave uh,
2: after 3 years. Seriously, there's some guy among those three. Yeah, but, but my yeah, point keep going. is. Aaron point left is, in three years. They can develop. Yep. And if you're
1: Mick Cronin, you got to know who you are and you, good sir, my 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 my, my our friendly Irish uh fellow, <laughs> um you are a development guy. You take these guys and they're not very good and then they become very good uh embrace that you've got three guys who uh have nba upside um go turn them into those players and in the and in, in the doing stabilize your program and uh continue to go to uh sweet 16s plus
2: yes. every year and one other thing before we leave I got <coughs> in your god you guys if you don't listen to Mick Cronin's, um interviews you you have to listen to them there are i don't even call them nuggets there's just some wisdom He got into evaluating Jalen Clark as a high school player, said he didn't even score 10 points when he went to go see him, but he did so many other things, right? And this is, since I've been evaluating basketball players for 25 years, you can't watch so many people say, hey, there's five great recruits in this one game. I'm going to go out and I'll, I'll kill five birds with one stone. You can't evaluate that way because you need to watch a kid away from the ball. You need to watch every little element of his game. Our friend Mick Cronin said that <laughs> exactly what I've been saying. I just, that was incredible. And then on top of it, he finished it off by basically saying, don't be a scout, uh, stat scout. It was amazing. And maybe I like his interview so much because so often he reaffirms the things I've been trying to say for years. So love him for that. But you guys got to listen. You have to listen to his interviews. I,
1: I'm, I'm I'm trying to workshop a joke on don't be a scat stout. A scat stout. Um, a scat stout. Um, <laughs> but there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing, Dad,
2: that you can say about that.
1: I was trying to. Yeah. Um, yeah so that's the situation with basketball recruiting. Uh, you have two top ten teams to watch this weekend. What a weekend! Uh, what a weekend! UCLA fans. Oh
2: wait, we got to say that first time since 1998. Two top ten teams in the what same. A, what week. a thrill!
1: What an absolute thrill! Uh, I mean,
2: very you very infrequently, not only at UCLA but across the nation, that this happens. You, yeah. everyone, should appreciate this moment. I mean, this yeah. is where UCLA should be all the time, but appreciate it.
1: Yeah, uh, really take it all in. Um, yeah, actually, just do that. Yeah, do stay it. Stay up late, watch the game tonight, then stay up late, watch the game tomorrow night. Woohoo! All right, uh, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruins Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. Thanks, guys.